for two Kickers are extra, I give them the boot Ooh, going for two Sit back, relax while I grab me a brew Ooh, now I'm reclining While putting my time and I'm ready to go My spine is aligning And much my my lineups, my bank account grow I am so rich But knowledge is all that I'm leaving it with Ooh, listen to this Multiple options, how far can I get? Ooh, DFS Dynasty Reader Tonight I'm not finishing last I'm finishing past any and all I am looking to last. What else? This spot is popping and I am so locked in and only opening the door when it is opportunity knocking and all of these spots keep on talking and talking. So what are we talking? What kind of alignment and running it deep? Even players forgotten or came from the bottom or hitting that topping and this spot is popping. Yeah, this spot is popping. And this is the arm chat. Yeah. Put up your arms. Yeah. Sound the alarm. Yeah. What is going on, everybody? And we are back. Episode 367 of the Armchair Fantasy Show. I'm your host, of course, Jeff Lambert. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffLambert77. Of course, we are coming off the longest hiatus of the show in eight years. Uh, me and Ryan haven't potted together since the beginning of December. Uh, it feels even longer than that. Of course, you can find us here always on Wednesdays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Uh, we are on our own website, goingfor2.live, and of course, syndicated on all your major podcast networks. I'm here with my aforementioned co-host, Mr. Ryan Searfoss. What's up, Ryan? Dude, it's weird to be back. I, I feel like I'm going to be rusty. I'm going to babble. I mean, I always babble, but I feel like I'm really <laughs> going to babble. But it's good to be back. Good to see Jamie in the chat already. Yeah. It, it would feel weird not to see him as the first person in there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so so our seasons uh, ended very, very uh, similarly. You, uh, Your Ravens no, no, lost. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not talking about. It didn't happen. It's, it, we're, it's draft season now. That shit didn't happen. It's not even <laughs> right, we're just going to we're just gonna just, gloss just, over it. It didn't happen. Super Bowl <laughs> didn't happen. Playoffs didn't happen. We're moving on. It's draft season. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. We're not, still not discussing it. <laughs> nope. That's nope, nope, not done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, joining us tonight uh, on short notice, uh, we were going to have um, Ryan's other co-host come on tonight. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it, but short notice, Brian Ford comes on for us. Of course, he is the host right here and going for two live of the Dynasty Saturday Night Five show on Saturdays at seven thirty p.m. He also hosts the Dynasty Fever podcast, uh, audio only. Uh, what's up, Brian? Hey, how we doing? I guess I seem to be everybody's favorite second choice. If fantasy football guests was ranked choice voting, I'd probably win. Nobody loves me, but everybody likes me. Yeah, you know what? You're just you're just like our NFL teams. I know we want to talk about it, but we're bridesmaids, not the brides. It's, it's all right. That's what you get for rooting for laundry. I mean, I just you know. Yeah, because you you don't really have. I mean, I think you you claim the New York Jets sort of, kind of, but yeah, kind. of. I grew up a Jets fan in the '80s. You know, when they drafted uh, Ken O'Brien instead of Dan Marino, and uh, you know, and, and then just over time, I just kind of just started caring a lot more about the fantasy side of it than than Absolutely. who actually wins or loses. Weirdly, you are replacing a Jets fan. Is that which... Skip? No, Anthony Corianti. Oh, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's also a sorry Jets fan. <laughs> Tells me all the time. Um, yeah, so Jets fan, the least the sadness comes with it. <laughs> yes. Divulging into fantasy is the way to go. Hundred percent. So Brian, real quick, uh, you know, talk about your your show here on the on the network and uh, plug uh, Dynasty Fever as well, or anything else you want to talk about. Yeah, sure. So it's seven thirty uh, Eastern live here on the same YouTube channel. Me and Josh Walker at Rotonaut do the Dynasty Saturday Night Five. 
uh, we kind of do this, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but it's a, a vehicle for talking about Dynasty Fantasy Football by doing lists of five. Uh, you know, so last week it was five early rookie takes, you know, it might be five free agents, whatever, that, that sort of thing. And then uh, Dynasty Fever midweek is audio only at Dynasty Fever Pod. That's me and Jesse Schneeman from the Dynasty Warzone family of content. We're a little different. I think we're um, not that Josh and I don't have thoughtful conversations, but like my tagline for Dynasty Fever is like thoughtful, po- uh, you know, Dynasty podcast that like your league mates don't know about because we're tiny. But, you know, sometimes we'll go like two, two and a half hours, split the episodes up into two or three and really dig into like these conversations. And like I always have much more questions than I do answers. And I like that about fantasy football. I, when people have like really strong conviction and certainty and do this and dominate and buy now, I get a little skeptical. Fair enough. I love it. All right, guys. As always, uh, today's show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Check out their best ball leagues with huge tournaments, private leagues, and, of course, they got pickums for all major sports. Uh, NBA, of course, is big right now. Sign up with our promo code GF2 and get a deposit match up to 100 bucks. It's as simple as that. Sign up. Use promo code GF2, and you can start drafting best ball teams. It is now best ball season. Uh, and, uh, and our very own uh, The B League, Dan at The B League, says, uh, does a best ball slash pick em show. It's best ball in the offseason. I think he put up one a couple weeks ago. He'll be doing them throughout the season, so make sure you check that out right here. It'll be on Friday nights around 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can check his show out as well right here on the network, of course. Uh, so we got a great show planned tonight. Of course, Ryan mentioned earlier, it is rookie season. It's all about the rookies. Uh, so we're going to do a rookie primer. We're going to talk uh, mostly running backs and receivers tonight. Uh, we'll do some listener questions, and of course, we'll always end the show with our forgotten fantasy player. But we kick things off, as always, with our nonsense draft. Attention, everyone. Let's mock draft. All right. Today we are drafting the best time travel movies slash TV shows of all time. Uh, any show or TV show that had, uh, uh, you know, some kind of element of time travel is eligible. And as always, the guest gets to go first here. So you have the one on one, Brian. What you got? So imagine if someone had the one on one and didn't take Caleb Williams. That's what I'm going to do and go with a movie from 2004 called Primer. Not a lot of people know about this movie. It's a very uh, uh, subtle, subdued kind of time travel uh, movie. It's like a couple 20-something, 30-something engineers. And like the time travel device is essentially they're just like getting in a box. And there's all this weird stuff going on in the movie and these time loops. And a guy with a conversation that he had before in his ear so he can have it again with the same and like the fans of this movie have all these like graphs and charts and theories and stuff online about what the movie means and what's really going on honestly it's the best time travel movie i ever saw because it's like not clownish it's just like this could be real this is this is eerie what's this called again it's called primer right as you call it primer Primer. released in 2004 i've never seen it or even heard of it even in my research for this i didn't pop up as one of the top one that's an interesting it sounds very interesting i'm gonna have to check it out jamie said he's gonna sign out if it wasn't terminator well see you jamie (laughs) so i i searched primer and it took me to stuff put around paint even when it says primer movie so i feel like it's gonna be a hard search but (laughs) All right, I got the 102 here, and I probably would have gone... What was that, Ryan? No, no, you're good. Oh, I got the 102 here, so I probably would have gone with it at the 101 as well. 
Um, but I'm going to go with Back to the Future, um, 80s movie. Obviously, it's sort of the chalk pick. I think anybody would have, you know, would have taken this one in the top three at least. Um, you know, obviously, it's a trilogy, but uh, the first one, I think, is definitely my favorite of the group. Um, but Back to the Future, for sure, for me, would have been my 101 had I had the first pick. All right, Ryan, you got the 103. Uh, I am sorry to upset Jamie, and I agree that it's an absurdly good movie and should be in the contention for it. But I'm going a little bit goofy here. We're going to hot dog time machine. Nice. Where Brian wanted something realistic and could happen, I'm going with just absurdity and debauchery. <laughs> it's so fun. I love both of them. And just the stupidity that comes with what could happen with these people, I love yeah, that was definitely, so I have a list, I actually have 11 movies, I don't know why I listed 11, but I highlighted three of them that I would have taken, you know, with my picks had they come up, and that was one of them, Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, that's an article that I even put out every year that I kind of do a look back, I always call it the Hot Tub Time Machine article, um, I kind of play off of that, so that's, that's a great choice for sure. All right, Brian, back to you at the 201 here. Yeah, you know, I'm going to take the value that dropped and go with Terminator 1, the classic. I think it's 84, right? Arnold, you know, uh, uh, appears in, in, the, in, the, in the past, like basically naked, right? Uh, and, and what I really love about that movie is I, I identify with the Terminator a little bit because, like, he'll get input and then there's those choices, you know, like, should I do this, 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 or the response? And, like, when I'm doing my best, I, like, don't do that. That'll get you in trouble. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, do this. Yeah. And so that's, you know, yeah, Terminator. Nice. Do you have the little heads up display too? <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, yeah, great choice there. That that should have been, you know, that could have been easily top one. Um, it's a great movie. Um, and I, I won't I won't cheat and pick part two. Uh, we'll just kind of include that as as a, as a, as a two oh one. So the two oh two. Uh, I'm gonna take so this is a is is a, a single movie in a series of movies. I think there's a total of eight movies. But there's one movie of the series that deals a lot of time travel. Um, and it's kind of fresh on my mind because my daughter just went through and watched all these movies for the second or third or fourth time. And of the group, this is probably my favorite one. But it's uh, Harry Potter, uh, the prisoner of, uh, I can't even say that word, uh, Azkaban. Azkaban. Azkaban, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was never a, a fan of the books, and I was actually never even watched the movies until my daughter got really big into it. But... Um, that was my favorite one of the group, where, where the Hermione is traveling back and forth in time, and at the end, uh, it's it, it kind of has a really cool ending. I don't want to spoil it for those that haven't seen it, but it's a it's it's a pretty it's a good it's the best one of the series in my opinion. So that's what I'll take here at the two hundred two. Ryan, you get the two hundred three. Uh, I am going an animated comic book movie in Justice League's The Flashpoint Paradox. It's like one of the biggest stories in comic books that they brought into the anime, which they've had other versions and they tried to do in movies and kind of screwed up. And TV shows did okay, but the animated version Flashpoint with Barry Allen going back to try to save his mother and just causing Batman to be murdering people and all this chaos and to try to rewrite all of history. It's just such a great story. The voicing in it is unreal with everybody they bring for it. With like Michael B. Jordan, obviously Kevin Conroy, Ron Perlman. It's great. That's a great choice. I actually that's not on my list, so that's an awesome choice there. Like I said, I have eleven listed, and uh, so far, besides the one that I've taken, y'all have only taken one of mine. So, um, great stuff so far. All right, Brian, this is your last pick of the draft, the three hundred one here. What you got? Yeah, because you know I could probably get uh, this TV show as an undrafted free agent, 
after this. Uh, I should probably do like Bill and Ted or something right now. But I'm going to do a TV show. Um, oh, shoot. Quantum Leap. Ah, oh, you took uh, mine. That was mine. It wasn't going to go undrafted. I was yeah, going to get that okay. next. <laughs> All right. I didn't know if, if I was going to sneak that by people. It's a little, like, I don't know. It's kind of dated and maybe, I don't know, campy-ish a little bit with parts of it, you know, looking back on it these days. But, you know, it was a, fu- it was a fun watch, you know, just to see the antics that he would get into and then, like, where he, he, he'd leap to next. And uh, Hal, you know, his whatever, you know, that was, like, guiding him through all this stuff, you know, big role in, in also in, in Battlestar Galactica, the, the remake TV show, which was one of my faves. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good one, because, yeah, that was definitely my, li- my next pick here. So you got, me, uh, you got me left scrambling a little bit, trying to figure out which one I want to go with next. Um, you had mentioned Bill and Ted. That's definitely on my list here. But um, let me go with uh, probably the last movie not I should just say the last non kids movie because I've I've definitely seen movies, but the last movie I've seen in the theaters uh, that I went to watch for myself, not because I was with my daughter. And it's been this a while. Eighties. <laughs> it's not quite that old. Not quite that old. Uh, but it's uh, it's Avengers Endgame. Um, obviously, traveling back in time to collect all the Infinity Stones and you know that that whole scene how when they when they first come back to you know from from being basically erased from from. Uh, existence and how that all plays out probably one of my best like fight type scenes in any movie um so yeah i'll take the avengers endgame here at the 302 ryan closes out I'm here so, i'm so disappointed that didn't cop in my head for time travel <laughs> like it just i had the list of time travel movies i didn't see it on there and i don't know why it didn't pop my head because i've seen it the most out of any movie we've talked about other than maybe terminator uh, i'm going super obscure though for mine i'm gonna every year my wife goes into like deep hot horror movies and this year we watched a movie called totally killer it's about this dude who kills a bunch of people and kills this girl's mom and she goes back in time to the 80s and basically becomes friends with her mom and tries to catch this killer it's completely absurd it's very 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 campy and i loved it (laughs) what was it called again what was the name Totally killer. Totally killer. Yeah, definitely was not on my list. I've never even heard of that movie. I think no, I, I, I don't know. Movie. I don't know how I heard of it. Like it was <laughs> so, like she's like I saw this weird movie. I mean, it was like on like a horror movie only streaming service, but it was great. It was so bad. I loved it. Can I just do one more honorable mention? Sure. Because it's like it's time travel, but it's also like subtle ish. Donnie Darko That's doesn't always one. get talked about as a time travel movie. Because it's not like the traditional time travel movie. And it's a really good movie. Yeah, that's a good one. That was definitely on my list as well. A couple from the chat here. Uh, Robbie um, is talking about Land of the Lost. Um, it did go on drafted. Yeah. Sorry, Robbie. Uh, Butterfly Effect from Jamie. He mentions that one. Uh, Looper was another one that was, was mentioned. Um, Jumanji, is that a time travel movie? I don't know. Is that, does that qualify what? as no, time, travel? Get time travel? Yeah, I don't think there's... A couple other ones I had that, that I really liked uh, that we didn't mention. Um, Frequency, if y'all ever seen that one, where he's talking basically on the radio to his dad, um, who was who died as a firefighter, I believe, was the storyline. That was a, a pretty good one. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if you haven't seen it. Uh, uh, Bill and Ted, we mentioned. We didn't draft it, but we did mention Bill and Ted. Um, and then Minority Report. I wasn't sure if that really qualified as time travel. Um but I had that on my list as well. Tom Cruise. Any any more honorable mentions for you, Ryan? Um, 
No, I think you hit most of them. There's so many, just there's so many time travel movies and shows. Absolutely. Like it just like special, like specifically one episode of shows. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. Usually we do news and notes at this point, but at this point in the season, there's not really a whole lot of news and notes. So we're going to jump right into our uh, rookie draft primer and kick it off here with the running backs. It's time for running backs, (laughs) running backs. All right. So I asked these guys to bring a couple of their, you know, top 12 ish running backs to the table. We'll talk about each one of them here. And and Brian, uh, in typical Brian fashion, brought two guys that me and Ryan haven't really even really looked at much. Uh, I have not watched either one of these guys. So, Brian, why don't you kick us off here with uh, with your first guy on the list there? Yeah, so I'm going to do uh, a, a guy who's uh, sort of toward the top of, of my top 12. I really have just a really just squished tier of eight guys. And it's just like, well, you know, they're not separated by much. I have certain guys I like more than others, but certainly could shuffle up a lot depending on, you know, uh, not so much combine, but definitely, you know, draft capital lens. And I think that's, that's kind of true for, for a lot of people, you know, it's kind of like we, you know, we have a couple faves, but we, we recognize that it's, it's very landing spot dependent this year. It's pretty flat at the top. Uh, and so my RB three is a guy who seems to be gaining uh, some steam and want to give credit to uh, Christian Williams from uh, Debbie Royale football guys who kind of, put this guy on my radar as someone to look into a little more that I didn't know enough about. And that's Jalen Wright. It's my RB three at the moment. Uh, You know, his, his real special trait is his speed his breakaway speed, but that's not all he's got. I think he's got, you know, enough wiggle from right before the line of scrimmage uh, to right after it. Uh, I think he can be, you know, a a, a good receiver. Um, You know, I think he's got pretty good contact balance, uh, especially for his size. Uh, and, you know, is not bad at pass pro, which is good because that's going to give you like, you know, uh, uh, even more opportunities to be a three down back. And what pass pro does is not necessarily say, oh, well, we don't care because we want him to catch passes on, on third downs. So as long as he's catching passes, I don't care. Yes. But what also happens when you can stay on and do pass pro like Kyron Williams, the, the defense doesn't know what you're doing. You can do run or pass. And that's important, you know, to keep a defense on its toes and running backs who have you know, who can be on the field third down, but don't have the pass pro skill set. You know, there's just that one aspect that, that just gives him just that much more of a boost. You know, he's young. He's going to be 21 at draft day. He doesn't have a whole lot of carry, so he's going to need some reps and, and become a little more uh, refined in his, in his running and probably work on, like, elusiveness a little better. But, uh, you know, he, he's, he's someone uh, 5'11", 210, so he's got pretty solid size. Uh, I don't really see him probably getting too many goal line touches unless he's he lands on a team that like is just desperate for that. Um, some comps that I've seen out there are Etienne and Tevin Coleman. Uh, Tevin Coleman, credit to um, Football Guys Rookie Guide on that one. Uh, I like him. I, I think uh, he's scheme versatile, which is good for a running back. And I think he's going to be... Someone who probably goes, I mean, like a lot of these running backs, I'm looking at my list, it's like late day two, early day three, late day two, early day three, late day two, early day. That's just what it is, right? And that's, and he's, it, it's, it's picking yeah, your flavor. Yeah. He's rounds three like to five. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's, if there's a guy that I want to swing on for a skill set that could translate to three downs plus the upside of the breakaway speed, let me go with, with Jalen Wright. Yeah, it was one thing when I, because I looked at him before the show, I wanted to make sure I had some information. I said I haven't watched him yet, but I went and, you know, Looked at a few people that I trust, and one of the things that you know we do this when we we look at running backs a lot of times is you can 
copy and paste bad at pass protection on pretty much every running back coming out of college. And he's one of the few guys that you know, that came up as a, as a positive good in pass protection, which, as you mentioned, gets him on the field. You know, even if he's in there just to pass block, you know, there could always be a checkout where they, you know, they, he's not going to stay back and block. And he goes out and, you know, just to be on the field, you know, you can't score points if you're sitting on the bench. So getting on the field and pass pro is definitely a big part of his, his game there. So um, good, good call on that one. Ryan, we'll go to you next here. You got you got your boy, uh, Mr. Trey Benson, who I, I, I have uh, ranked, I think, in my top three here. Talk about him a little bit. I, I, I do want to say I completely agree with Ryan said about draft capital for everyone who's running backs. Like, any running back that you're going to watch who shows any bit of skill to go anywhere from late two to – or day two, day three. Like, no, it's everybody can go anywhere. Uh, I'm going to Trey Benson. I think he's just – a nice, big, uh, big, strong bruising back. He's very good north-south runner. He has good enough breakaway speed to take chunk yardage plays, and he's caught close to 40 pass- or He's close, just shy of 40 passes in his two years at Florida State. So he's well-rounded enough where he can stay on the field. Again, like I said, he can pass block and keeps him on the field. And he had... He produced both years on minimum carries at Florida State. And for being a big back who grinds, he doesn't have a ton of knowledge. Uh, he definitely struggles with cutback lanes and vision at times. Those are things that have to be worked on, but I don't think you're going to have any back without warts. But the upside with the size-speed combination, I think, could be very interesting for a team in the right situation. Yeah, I, I like Trey Benson a lot. A lot of things you mentioned there are, you know, I had on my list as well as, as good good things. And um, I think I currently have him in my in my top three um, for for my running back. So yep. I, I think his his same with yours you know, is my favorite back. Yours is my favorite back. I watched that thought, by the way. Yeah, that. So this is interesting because when I was originally thinking we were going to be talking to Anthony, uh, I was going to bring up that two of the uh, rankers for going for two had this my guy at the their number one running back. Uh, it turns out one of those guys that had him at number one is is on the panel now because Anthony couldn't make the show. Uh, but Mr. Mr. Bucky Irving, uh, you know, coming out of Oregon. Uh, so this is a guy that I, I hadn't heard a whole lot about until I heard uh, Ryan McDowell's podcast and they and they talked about him a little bit and talked about how explosive he is and how exciting he looks. And so I went and watched him and and he does. I mean, he jumps off, you know, as far as explosive. Uh, you know, he's a little bit smaller, five nine, one nineties, what he's listed at here on on the draft network. Um, but he, I, one of the notes that I had is he plays big, right? He he seeks contact, which could be a you know a good thing and a bad thing at the next level. Being a smaller guy, sometimes those small guys that seek contact, uh, unfortunately, will end up getting hurt. Uh, but he's got good vag- good vision, uh, you know, very very good uh, lateral agility, shiftiness, good contact balance for a guy his size. Uh, the one thing he does struggle at and it's a, it struggles immensely is is pass protection. There's actually a cut up on YouTube. Uh, just to show how bad his protection is uh, and how, how much he's whiffed on some guys and just made the wrong reads. Uh, so that's one thing he definitely has to improve upon, especially if he's going to be a third down back and be on the field um, for those you know situations. But talking about home run speed, uh, he, he, you know, he looks the part for sure. Um, and you know we've seen it last year. We've kind of always talked about these smaller guys you know, and, and how it's a negative. And, and Ryan, you know me, I've always been the, the guy that likes those small running backs that never seem to pan out. And then last year, for the first time, I, I don't like the smaller running backs, the Devin A. Chain and the Jameer Gibbs, and, and then both of those guys pop off. So 
Uh, it, it's, this matters. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you know it's, you got to kind of make sure you you know temper your expectations with them because he's a smaller guy. But uh, I want to turn it over to you, Brian, because you like I said, I mentioned you had him at number one at least in the rankings that I published on the graphic. You had him at number one. If you want to talk about him a little bit, anything that I didn't mention. Yeah, Jeff said at least uh, on the on the rankings graphic he posts because he knows that I update my rankings every effing two hours uh, <laughs> in my fantasy pro because I I'm a weirdo, but. Uh, no, I still have him at one, and I have him at one simply because uh, I, I call it like a placeholder. He's my acting number one. Uh, be, I expect him to probably be my number two when it's all said and done. Uh, he's just my one now because I have the most confidence that his skill set will translate to today's NFL and to fantasy football. Um, you know, I think I see him on a spectrum of like, you know, uh, you know, Gio Bernard, Gainwell, Gibson, you know, and then there's maybe, you know, uh, a James Cook and then like a Gibbs way over on the other end. He's probably in that between Gibson and Cook range. And I think if he if he can if he can uh, do some James Cookian stuff, uh, we're going to like him uh, because right now at Dynasty Running Back, you know, I have James Cook in my top 10 sometimes just for lack of somebody else to put there. <laughs> you know, like it's just after the first four or five backs, there's not a lot of high confidence guys. Hundred percent. And so, yeah. And so, I think I think Irving can pop off. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. The the one thing you mentioned how he's not good at the pass section. The one thing that popped off for him, I think, that we actually kind of skipped over that I didn't see out of the other top actually watch is his ability to find cutback lanes and really move in traffic, where like almost all the other top backs are just follow their try to follow where the hole is. Nothing's there. There's they don't make it back. They're not creative. He does that. He, he had a jump cut against, it was in the Washington game, where he had a cut back on his, like, 14-yard touchdown. And yeah. it was fantastic. No one else I've watched so far has done any one single move like that. And it shouldn't be that the thing that makes it pop, but it really does with way this class is. Yeah, Is 100%. that little bit of electric. Let me ask you a question, Ryan, because you are do, you know, have been doing this deeper and longer than I have as far as, like, film watching and, and college and rookies and all that. How much do you, do you sprinkle in to the formula of eh, he's doing it against Pac-12 tackling? I mean, does it matter much to you? I mean, everything has to matter, but you can't. Like, how it's could be worse. Like we've seen guys do it in the ACC, and we've seen them do it back when, like Rutgers, when. God, what is the Big East? It's just like LaShawn McCoy was in the Big East roasting people, and he was playing against Rutgers in West Virginia. You have to just figure out and watch enough games. Hopefully they play enough good competition where you've seen it. Luckily, Oregon has played some good games and tough teams this year where you got to see it. It definitely matters. And like if you're seeing a guy getting open field tackled a lot, going down a first contact, and he did have a good um, like, game against Utah, which is the best defense in that conference. So it's encouraging. Yeah, like and like I said, you didn't see him go down on first contact a lot. Like Jonathan Brooks, who's viewed very highly, goes down on first contact a lot. And that's a big difference with possibly like similar things that it can do well. But he went down a lot easier than Irving. And I think you have to just kind of take what you can get off it. Yeah. And just kind of like go a little bit tighter in. Yeah, I agree. 
Ryan, I'm gonna kick this back to you because the guy you have on your on, on your list next here is a guy that when I put the rankings out just recently, um, people were all over the place. People either had him as their RB one. People said that he didn't even belong in the top twelve. They were kind of all over the place. Uh, Blake Corum, talk about him a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. Like last year, when I thought Blake Corum was going to announce earlier, I liked him more than I liked him this year. He's kind of a he's a lot of question marks. Smaller size and stature, but runs very hard. He's been you talk about being blessed against going against Pac-12 defenses. He's going behind a line. He's running behind a line of absolute monsters. Um, I think he's a rotational back. I don't think there's many three down back in this. I think you're going to see him not be over 150 carries, 30 to 40 catch. I think he's proficient enough as a pass catcher. You can see him do enough spread out. Uh, there's a ton of it, but the flashes are there. He runs very north-south. He's another one. He doesn't have as much juice as you'd like to see for that size. But in the right system, like, weirdly enough, for a smaller back, him in a power-running team would be good. But there's definitely question marks. I like him. I think the draft capital and how his his measurements at the combine, yeah. if he's coming in at good size, I think all that matters. It makes him an interesting prospect. I don't think you can throw him out. But I think there's definitely a lot to look at. And there's a lot to like. Like he can break through he breaks tackles. He runs through arm tackles. He runs very hard for his size. Yeah, I heard he's a, a small he's I, I said I heard a a good landing spot for him would be with the with the Chargers, who you know obviously now have uh, Jim Harbaugh there. What are your thoughts on if he was to go there? I mean, you still need that line. Like he's going from the best line in college football to a Chargers line with question marks, and we were talking about pass protection with Jalen Wright earlier. I don't want a guy who's that small pass protector for my franchise quarterback when my offensive line's not that. 100% agree. 100% agree. All right, Brian, we're going to go to you next here, uh, Isaiah Davis. And the one thing that when I looked him up before the show that I come across on a couple different websites is NFL build workhorse profile. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Davis and why you like him so much? Isaiah Davis of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, for those uh, who, who, who may not know. The Jackrabbits are kind of quickly becoming like a, one of those, um, you know, uh, uh, schools that uh, uh, guys with a chance to, to hit in the NFL who slipped through the cracks. Uh, best FCS team in the country kind of thing, you know. Uh, and, you know, you kind of have to say, OK, well, he's jumping to a certain competition level. Uh, and, you know. From what we've seen, and again, the Senior Bowl is is what it is, and it's a small part of people's grades, and kind of people know what they are going into it, and the running back is kind of weird because most of the stuff they're doing is pass pro and catching and that sort of stuff. But all reports are that when he was with, other, you know, Power Five uh, and Group of Five, uh, uh, you know, prospects at the Senior Bowl that that he did well, uh, that he he showed himself well in pass pro. Uh, and receiving what you said about him is true. I think he has a solid skill set and a solid build. So in other words, he's six foot two twenty. It's a nice solid build, NFL size, and he's got a well-rounded skill set. You know, he's not going to be one of those guys who has an elite trait anywhere, but I think he's got, you know, all his traits are 
are good. You know, he's good enough with agility. He, he's good enough with, with burst and acceleration. Uh, he's got uh, power. He's got smarts and some nuance. Um, you know, I, I think, obviously, with the jump from FCS to NFL, you know, there's going to be some stuff that he needs to work on, right? And there's just going to be some just reps and, and how fast the game moves uh, and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you're looking for, say you double tap wide receiver first and second round, you know, because a lot of running backs are going in the second round now. Josh's boy, Estime, and, and basically everybody, right, going in, in the second round. If you double tap wide receiver, right, if you take, uh, I don't know, say, say you're at the 108 and you're taking Worthy and then later on you're taking, I don't know, like Aladdin McConkey or, you know, uh, uh, 208 Jalen Polk, Malachi Corley, that kind of guy, right? You take a swing on Davis in the third round, right? Um, because, you know, of the guys that are kind of in that, you know, tier after the top eight for me, you know, he's a guy who has, who has potential to be a three-down skill set, but still probably be in a committee, but not have to be taken off the field, you know, on third down. Yeah, that's a good call. I like that. I'm going to have to go back and watch him, too, because, yeah, I saw a lot of good things mentioned about him in my limited research before the show. Um, I'll close it out here with uh, with the running backs, with the guy that Ryan already kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, Jonathan Brooks. Um, and, and the real thing I wanted to sort of ask a question is, is how much does the injury that he had back in November, ACL, I believe, how much does that affect where you think he gets drafted in the NFL? And how much are you willing to uh, sort of... Um, spend on him in your rookie drafts, Ryan, to, to get this guy. Like, how, how do you feel about Jonathan Brooks? Dude, I'm not taking like that injury was so late in the season. I know ACLs are something guys get over quickly, but you're in this camp, which means getting that first year in is going to be tough. The timing of it's bad. He has questions for me. I think he's a good back. I don't think he's, I don't believe he's an every down back in the NFL because of just certain deficiencies. I don't know if I'm taking the fourth third round in rookie drafts. Yeah, I've definitely... It's a dart throw, and I'm not comfortable. Like, I'm still not like confident with it. I want to be, but I'm not. Yeah, I think I, I've seen him go in the second round into mock drafts, and I think people are just kind of dismissing the injury for some reason. But I think the NFL is going to obviously pay attention to that. I think he's going to fall uh, in you know the draft capital that we still covet. He's not going to get that draft capital because of the injury which is going to lower him in our rookie drafts. And I think he could end up in the third. Brian, you have something you want to say? I saw you. Yeah, I'm actually going to just gently um, and nicely push back on that because I like to be gentle and nice. Just like Ryan is longer and deeper than me. Um, I, <laughs> I have him as my RB2. And I probably see him more, better than, than Ryan does. I don't know about like way better. But the reason I kind of have, have shoved him up there is because Everywhere you see all like, you know, the, the mock aggregators and the NFL buzz and that kind of thing is that this guy could be the first running back taken off the board. So you have to think to yourself, well, I have to think to myself, one might think to themselves, this guy had a November ACL injury, right? Compete, had, to, had to compete on a depth chart with um, Bijan, Roshan, Cedric Baxter, Jaden Blue, became the starter, and the NFL said, Still, he got a good enough grade feedback where the NFL scouts are saying, "Yeah, you can come out after year three. Go ahead, do it." Because we—that means they like him that much. He, I think he does need to work on things like putting on weight, which 
will improve the contact balance. I, I probably see that as a little better than 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 Ryan does. But uh, but yeah, I, 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 think I actually think the NFL draft buzz is real. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I, it's it's just anytime he's like any rap, he does. I just feel like he doesn't get thrown passes at all in college, and that's against Big Twelve competition. That's what scares me. It's if you just bump him, yeah, he's gonna break. And I think he's fine. But as soon as you get those hands on him, I think he's going down. Yeah, the, that makes sense. Like the disparity between those two things. The negative I had on it was was his size. I mean, he's what he's six foot six foot even, I believe. He's at just over two hundred pounds, you know. And he runs with a high pad level, which is another thing that I didn't like either. Um, you know, when you have a guy that's already kind of tall and skinny uh, for a running back, at least, and then you're going to run with a high pad level too. It's it's a little he's bit. He's going to be asked to do more of the between the tackles type of stuff than Bucky Irving is. So, so he needs to, to add a little more onto that 207. Agreed. You know what I mean? Whereas I'm not all, not all that concerned about Bucky, you know, unless maybe he comes in at the combine at like 180 or 185 for some reason, which I don't think he will if he's smart. Yeah. To eat that peanut butter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that's one advantage he has too because he, he's not going to be able to run or anything. You know, obviously none of the drills he can do. Uh, so just put some weight on just so he can get that weight up, you know, for the combine so he can get that on the, on the sheet. Uh, that'll help him out. All right, let's get to some of the receivers. And now, wide receivers. Receivers. I'm going to kick us off here because I've gotten so much hate uh, for this guy that I have currently as my wide receiver three. Um, and, I, you know, he's going in mock drafts towards the end of the first round. Um, a lot of people don't like him for some reason. Um, but Keon Coleman. I, I love Keon Coleman. Um, I actually put out, he was one of my first uh, scouting reports that I put out uh, on Facebook, and it still has the most hits on this because it got into a, you know, a quite a heated argument with him. But I just think, I know people uh, kind of point to his, his last season here where he struggled a little bit with contested catches, which is supposed to be kind of his thing. Um, I think he, you know, was 50% contested catches this year, where I think he was like 60 or 70% the year before that. But I just think his body type translates better to the NFL. Like maybe he struggled a little bit this past year, but you know, he is what six foot four, uh, two, I forget the two twenty five, two, you know, he's in that he's he's a big receiver. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big, big boy. boy. I have him at two fifteen. Two fifteen, yeah. So he's uh he, he's definitely one of those receivers that, you know, I think he could be one of those kind of guys that translates better to the NFL than in college, where in college, I think speed is everything. Uh, not that speed isn't everything in the NFL, but I think you can succeed in the NFL being a guy as big as he is and as physical as he is. Because we've seen big guys before come out that just aren't physical. And he has the physicality. He's great at the catch point. He's great at the line of scrimmage trying to beat, you know, press man. He doesn't have the long speed that you would hope to have. Um, but I think for what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL, he won't need it. Uh, and of course, at that size and that height, he's going to be a, a, a huge red zone threat as well. Um, so I, I love Keon Coleman. I actually have him currently ranked uh, a little bit higher than uh, uh, Romeo Adunze. Um, they're pretty much neck and neck, but I, I gave the slight edge to Keon Coleman. Um, so he's kind of, you know, my guy this year, so to speak. My guy last year was Zay Flowers. Uh, this is Keon Coleman's kind of my guy this year. Uh, I'm curious, Ryan, because you're the Florida State fan. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on Keon Coleman? I love Keon Coleman. I think he's a beast. He definitely has warts. Uh, you mentioned the contested catches. He also he has a lot of just like concentration drops. Like you've it happened all year. You saw it. They went through some stuff later in the year, and he kind of fell off. But 
when they were clicking, when they had uh, their starting quarterback, he was a monster. He, but he made also the one-handed catch, and he makes he makes plays. He can run after the catch. He runs through runner. He runs through defenders. There's a lot to like raw talent wise. It's worth the chance. Like raw talent wise, you have no wide receiver three, no question. I like that skill set is rare. It's just can he put it all together at his floor? <laughs> could he be a Mike Williams type, which is decent enough in fantasy? Might not be great, but I think he has a good floor because of that red zone potential. And the fact that there's not many guys like that to get on the field. Yeah, so I, I wrote, uh, it was my first scouting report that I told you I did on, on goingfor2.com, and I had a, a floor comp and a ceiling comp. Uh, I'm curious, Ryan, to, to what you think. My floor comp was Cortland Sutton. Uh, my ceiling comp was Des Bryant. I don't hate it. I have Vincent Jackson for mine. So Yeah, another big big receiver. I like it. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's really easy to comp for big receivers. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because there's not that many guys who are really built like that that far. Yep. All right, Brian, let's go to you. You got one of my favorite guys at the top of your list there. That I'm, I'm curious to your thoughts on uh, another guy that's been getting a little bit of, uh, you know, you can see him going pretty much mid sec- mid first round, uh, and I've seen him fall down to as low as the the, the late second, early fir- uh, second. I'm sorry, late first, early second, Mister Xavier Worthy. Yeah, I chose him because you know. For me personally, I had the big the big three of you know Harrison and 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 neighbors and Adunze, and then I have a tier of um, worthy Troy Franklin and Brian Thomas, right? And so in that bucket, in that second bucket, I chose Worthy because I think he's not getting enough love, and I hate saying that because a lot of times that turns into like a straw man argument because like you just Google him or whatever and look on Twitter and people are talking about Xavier Worthy, but I I feel like there's more steam on Franklin and, and Thomas. And there's a lot that goes into that uh, about why that might be. People don't understand where the um, added short game, added really you know, twitchy route running um, to, to his game. He's not just a deep threat like I think some people want to make him out to be. Uh, he's fast and he's quick. The drops have a lot of context. They have a hand injury context. They have a Quinn Ewers context. They have a Malik Murphy context. They have they, the, the, he, the, those are concentration drops, not technique drops that they improved from 2022 to 2023. So I think people are a little overdoing it a little with, with the drops. Uh, when I think about the way today's NFL is being played, and I'm really trying to do that when I look at these, these, these rookie rankings, that's why I love a guy like, like Worthy. Uh, he can be used the way that Jamison Williams was used at Alabama. He's got a little waddle in his game, a little little Hollywood Brown in his game. Uh, he's got he's got a heavier Tank Dell uh, uh, to his game. You know, he's like twenty pounds heavier than than, than Tank Dell, right? I think he's. He, I think people are just kind of like, well, they saw the the freshman breakout in twenty twenty one, which is one of the best freshman seasons ever. And then, like, because there was a like a, a, a bit of a downturn after that on, on a team that had, you know, Bijan, Roshan, Cedric Baxter, uh, Adonai Mitchell, you know, Jordan Whittington, uh, you know, like uh, Jatavian Sander, like, I think people are kind of, you know, uh, forgetting about him 
like he's old news, you know, prospect fatigue, something like that, right? Uh, and so I really love where he's my, he's my wide receiver four right now. When we think about what the recent misses have been, the recent misses have been big guys, right? True. And that's why I don't like Keon Coleman. That's why I don't like Xavier Leggett. If I, you know, like, it's not, not, it's not the only reason why, but when I think about where I'm arranging these buckets, right, I got the three high confidence guys. I got these next three guys that I think have a great floor ceiling combo. And then it starts, then I'll, then I'll take my slot guys, my PPR machines, like Lad McConkie and Roman Wilson, athletic guy like Adonai Mitchell, and then some question marks around guys like Coleman, Leggett, a guy I'm going to talk about later, Malachi Corley, uh, Jalen Polk's a solid floor guy, but not much of a ceiling. And then it just starts to just be this giant tier of who the heck knows, right? Uh, and so, you know, I, I, think, I think Worthy's the guy that when I think about today's NFL, if he goes to the right team and is used well, I, like, wheels up. Yeah, that's 100%. I think right, right team is definitely where he needs to fit. Um, he's not one of those that can fit into any scheme, but I do think if he gets that right, that right fit for 100%, he's going to be a beast. Uh, we're going to stick with the Xaviers. And, uh, Ryan, you got an Xavier as well on your list. I know Brian just said he didn't like him or question him. We're just always off in draft season for some reason. Um, but no, I think Xavier Leggett, a lot of people seem down on him and lower on the rankings than I am. I know, like he said, the bigger receivers do have are harder to hit on. And we've seen a lot of misses. A lot of it is they're bad separators. They're not, they're only winning at the catch point and limited route trees. I do agree his route tree is definitely limited. Some of it might be the fact he's in South Carolina. But he is able to create separation at the catch point as well as at the top of his routes. He wins on comeback routes. He, can, he has a little bit of wiggle at the top of his stems where he creates room where he doesn't just have to win on jump balls. And the fact that he's a just brick shit house at close to 230 pounds and can run through people and has enough speed to break away, there's a lot to like with that. Yes, there's questions, but you know what, man? He performed against the SEC. We talked about playing against competition. He had 7 for 71 against Georgia, who's the number one, was the number one team in the country at the time, and one of the best defenses in football. He performed against multiple SEC teams. He's done it, and he can win on a team that doesn't have a great quarterback play, doesn't have that great of a team, he has the upside to produce. And that skill set's got his size, speed combination, something's going to get him on the field and get him the opportunity because part of the thing in with rookies is players who have the opportunity. Yeah, now what do you think of his comp? I've heard a popular comp being Debo Samuel. What do you think of that? No, I don't like that. I think we're just anyone who can run through now. <laughs> yeah, Debo Samuel. exactly right. It's just such bullshit now. I hate that. Um, I don't really have a call for him yet, but I said the strong receivers, like he's not the route runner that he is, but like one of the big things we saw with Puka Nakua is he was able to fight through contact, run through tacklers, and that helped make him successful. Yeah. Running through tacklers makes you successful, especially if you're a big guy. He can do that. Yeah, I like that. All right, so my second guy that I want to talk about, uh, and I wanted to have two guys that are you know somewhat different to talk about, and I could pick a guy that's completely different from Keon Coleman. 
Uh, I mentioned Keon Copeland doesn't have deep speed. Mr. Troy Franklin uh, has that elite deep speed. Uh, and I mentioned how physical Keon Coleman is, and Troy Franklin is not physical. He's basically the opposite of Keon Coleman. He got the speed, lacks the physicality. Um, he does kind of wait for the ball to get to him. He doesn't really attack the ball in contested situations. Um, but he's exciting to watch. If you if you put the tape on, he jumps off the page. He is really exciting. Um, I was trying to do comps for him last night because I'm currently writing up my my scouting report on him, and I was having a hard time finding comps, and I kept coming up with. Robbie Chosen Anderson was my was my best comp that I can come up with because um, he's 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 tall but he's very thin. He, I, th- I think he's six foot two or six foot three, like one eighty five. So he's like really tall and thin. Um, so that's going to hurt him in the NFL if he can't you know get that physical nature to him. Um, but we know teams are going to you know draft him highly because of that speed. You know teams love the speed. And you know, I have a the, the the fear that he might end up being one of those guys that's better for an NFL team than he is for fantasy, uh, where he's sort of opening the field up for other receivers because of that elite speed downfield. But he's going to have those games where he catches three passes for 150 yards and a touchdown, and then have games where he disappears and you don't see him the entire game. So I think he's going to be one of the guys that be hard to figure out. Um, but he does have route running. It's, you know, that's one thing that separates him from some of the guys that I've talked about that kind of boom bust. Um, he can run some routes, so I think that has a little bit of advantage in going into the NFL and, and you know translating it to be more of a uh, you know a complete receiver instead of just a one trick pony. Um, but uh, I'm I'm curious, Brian, to your thoughts. I saw you nodding there, and some of my thoughts on Troy Franklin. What are your thoughts on Mr. Franklin? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, he's got he's got he's got a frame that can put on weight. So I mean, that's that's encouraging, right? Like if you're six three, one eighty seven, like it's thin, but you know, at the same time, we talk about like recent misses and we talk about like the data not catching up to, you know, BMI not really mattering. You know, and we look at like Devonta Smith or, you know, Jordan Addison and guys like that, you know, it's Tank Dell, obviously. Right. <clears throat> you know, I don't I don't worry too much about it. I think there are people who are a little divided on like did the physicality improve from one year to the next and things like that. I, you know, I, I think he's got a he's got a good floor ceiling combo. My my worry is like you said, like does he turn into Gabe Davis? Which is interesting because a lot of people are mocking him to the Bills at like whatever that is, twenty eight, right? Um, I don't know, you know, like then then you know you're kind of stuck with what you said. Uh, do I think he's a better prospect and better player than Gabe Davis with a higher ceiling? Absolutely, right? But that's within the range of outcomes if he lands on a team that uses him that way. I think either way, you're looking at an NFL wide receiver, two who is going to outperform a bunch of NFL teams, wide receiver ones on, on a bunch of weeks, you know, throughout his career. Yep. And also, therefore, do that in your fantasy league. But it's probably going to be slightly less predictable than I think, you know, a guy like uh, Xavier Worthy or, of course, very good predictability, I think, of guys like McConkey and Roman Wilson. Yeah, fair enough. He's he's gonna be a best ball and yeah, that's yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm afraid of. He's he's being drafted or being mocked at least uh, in dynasty rookie mocks in the first round, and makes me a little bit nervous taking him there. Uh, but we have seen these kind of guys succeed as, in the NFL, you know, recently as well. So like you mentioned, uh, Devonta Smith being one of them. But then you got guys like Jerry Judy that was kind of in that same mold, and he has not panned out. So it's it's a tough uh, tough sell there. Ryan, I'm going to go to you next because you have a guy that's, you know, 
at the top. You know, he might be if he's not in I, that tier one, he's pretty damn close to that tier one. I put him there. I want to talk about Malik Neighbors for one reason, one reason. It's because he is a lot closer to he's not as good as Martin Harrison, but he's a lot closer than people are giving him credit for. Like he is a wide receiver one in a lot of draft classes. He gets open. He's explosive. He runs after the catch. He's the complete package. And he has a chance to be viewed as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver off the rip. Like he's somebody when I go through and my dynasty rankings post draft, I can definitely see him being in my top 10. And I just wanted to bring that up because I think if you don't have that Marvin Harrison pick, it's not time to be sad. I don't, I see the neighbors over Harrison think it'd be a thing. I, I'm not there, but I just think it's much closer. Yeah, Janie is in a, in a mock draft that we're doing currently, and he told me that he would have taken neighbors over Harrison. He had the 101. Uh, if I hadn't told him that it was for my official ADP for the website, we're updating the ADP. So he said he would have taken neighbors over Harrison. Uh, but because it was for the ADP, he stuck with the with the game plan and went with Marvin Harrison. So uh, appreciate that, Jamie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've heard that, you know, in a lot of draft classes, Malik Neighbors is the, the wide receiver one easy. Um, and he's, be- he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a I, I fully believe he's a superstar. Yeah. Like he has everything you want. Yeah, I'm almost like, let me ask you this, Ryan. If 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 you had the ability to take uh, Marvin Harrison, could you, you know, take a King's Ransom for him, knowing that you could move back and get Malik Neighbors? That's something yes. you would consider doing? Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah I, if I can move back a couple spots and get up Harrison and get Neighbors and either get a couple pick, couple, uh, first, couple, so you can get a couple first when it comes to Marvin Harrison. Yeah. He's that kind of prospect. If I can land a couple extra firsts or a starting caliber player, top 24 player at a receiving position, yeah, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. He's my, if we're talking non-super flex, he's my two. Super flex, he's in my top five. Like, it's, he's an auto pick for me. Yep, I agree. All right, Brian. You uh, mentioned this guy a couple times tonight, Malachi Corley, um, as one of your one of your guys that you like. Talk about him a little bit. Yeah, I know he's buzzy and and getting steam. By the way, my nightmare scenario for Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors is that they go to New England at three and the Giants at six. And <laughs> dude, don't even talk. Don't even put the Giants in there. we don't know about the Patriots. The Patriots could be anything. Yeah, know, yeah, they're different. Yeah. They're completely different. Yeah. But dude. I don't want to talk about the Giants. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I hope Rome goes there. Just the, yeah. the reason I, I want to talk about Corley is I want to use him as an example of what I was talking a little bit about before is landing spot and how the NFL is is played today. Um, Malachi Corley, for, like, my mantra this offseason is essentially that, especially after the first tier or two of, of guys, you know, depending on how big your tiers are, landing spot, I think, is mattering more than it used to. It still doesn't matter as much as talent, and it changes faster than talent. The longest tenured offensive coordinators in the uh, in the league, there's two of them. They're hired in 2022. So we know that situations change fast, but we've also seen the right situation, scheme, coaching, fit, right? Make and break the start of careers and then the start of fantasy careers like Kyron Williams, Puka, Tank Dell, guys like that, right? So I think that's Malachi Corley. 
right? Uh, he showed a little bit at the Senior Bowl that he, you know, has a little bit more in his repertoire of uh, routes past five or ten yards. Uh, you know, but he is still going to be a guy that's a short ADOT and yak guy. And when he gets that yak and all that rack that was in the MAC, he's really breaking tackles. And it's, some, it's, it's a pleasure to watch. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, is he going to land on a team where they don't know how to use him well? Where he becomes slightly gadgety? Like, having schemed touches isn't as bad as it used to be, like, in the, in the NFL. I mean, she right? right? Um, but having only schemed touches does narrow your path to success. So if, you're, if, if that's already sort of what he's looking at, and he goes to a team that's not a right fit, you know, I'm going to sink him below guys like, I don't know, uh, Malik Washington or uh, Javon Baker or, or you know, uh, Jalen Pohl or, you know, Jacob Cowing and Ricky Pearsall, right? Like, because it's just not a right fit. I don't trust the team to use Malachi poorly well. If he goes to the right team, I think he could really hit year one and, and you know, and therefore increase in, in value as well. So uh, he's an interesting guy that I think is an illustration of lending spot matters. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Can we can we can we kill comparing players to Debo Samuel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jamie like, can we just get rid- He's like such a weird player and like outlier. There's not like we need to stop. Yeah, Debo's a one of one, right? Like, there's not too like, many guys it, that are like him. There's players with very unique skill sets. Like the next Tyreek Hill, there isn't a next Tyreek Hill. He's a one of one type player. Like, let's we need to stop that shit. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's move to uh, a couple of guys that are outside of our top 12s. Uh, and because we're up against the clock here, let's just keep it really short. Just mention your guys um, and, you know, a quick blurb on each one of them. So, Ryan, go ahead and give us both of your guys there and why uh, you like both these guys. I'm going, La- I'm going a safe one, Lab McConkey. I, I think he's a PPR machine. I, he gets open, he catches everything, he runs after the catch. I think he is a plug and play day one and can produce a fantasy. I I love him late second round, maybe a little bit earlier. Uh, other one, complete dark throw on the opposite line is Johnny Wilson, the other wide receiver from Florida State. Huge drop issues, some of the biggest I've ever seen. But it's six seven two thirty. I think he's a player who could transition to tight end, and I think that transition. If he can figure out how to get his hands to work right all the time consistently, with his speed and that huge wingspan, it's like eight foot wingspan. That's something you have to work out. Even if he stays at wide receiver, I think if he makes that transition, it can be really big for him. And it's a very intriguing skill set. Yeah, I forget who I was talking to. Third or fourth round flyer. I forget who I was talking to. It may have been actually Jamie at one point. He was talking about you know how big he is, six foot seven, and I I, I looked at the history of receivers at six foot seven or taller, and it's not great. But if he can no, transition to the tight end, then yeah, that would definitely be a plus for him. So like Dar- like Darren Waller made the transition. I'm not saying he's Darren Waller from comparison, but like you get these tall re- tight end, tall wide receivers who transition to tight end have done okay. Yeah, agreed. So the two guys I got here, uh, the first one is a running back, uh, Mr. Frank Gore Jr. And, you know, it's more about being a 49ers fan and, and, and watching being, you know, having Frank Gore being one of my favorite players of all time. I want him to succeed. Um, I, I do think he has a role uh, in the NFL. I don't know if he has a role in Dynasty. Um, but, you know, you're getting him in probably the mid to late third round. He's definitely a good flyer that I like. I think, you know, if he's got anywhere close to his dad's work ethic, 
Um, I think he could he could be a, a guy that you can get you know late late third round, uh, maybe even go undrafted in some of your uh, you know, super, super super flex uh, dynasty drafts. Uh, so yeah, Frank Gore is the one I have, and then I got uh, Ricky Pearsall. Um, just a, a he's kind of boring. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, he's more just a consistent guy. He he makes all the catches. He's a high IQ guy. He's very versatile. He can do a lot of different things. Uh, he's got a great release. Release package is one thing that I noticed when I watched him. Uh, but he does have trouble beating press man uh, and creating separation a little bit. But you know, he's another guy that I'm kind of you know looking at as a as a late round guy that you know is a consistent guy. He's a good guy in an NFL team. Um, you know, so that's that's those are my two there. Brian, who you got for year two? Uh, yeah, you know, it's a shame that Frank Gore Sr. couldn't hold on just a couple more years yeah. and we could get a Griff, Griffey situation, you know? Right. Like, uh, what, 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 a, what a backfield combination. Like, we yeah. had a committee. Ryan, yeah. are, 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 are you old enough to remember when the Griffeys played on the same team? Or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you made fun of us being alive in the 80s before, so I don't know, you know? I was born in the 80s. Uh, that uh, poster right there behind me, autograph Griffey. Autograph picture. Nice. Love it. Yeah. All right. So my two guys, uh, Jalen Polk, talked a little bit about him before. Uh, solid floor guy with a little bit of upside, well-rounded guy. Um, you worry a little bit that, like, well, Jalen McMillan was injured and he had the benefit of Roma Dunze there. But, you know, individually as a player, I think he's, again, solid floor, well-rounded, a little bit of upside. Uh, so I like him. He's, he's, he's my 13. He's in a tier of 10 to 13. The other guy I want to talk about is Jaquan Jackson. Uh, just because, like, People talk about Malik Washington. He's already like people's favorite sleeper. Javon Baker is already people's favorite sleeper. Malachi Corey is already people's favorite sleeper. Jacob Cowing is already Ricky. It's like they've been talked about already. So let's talk about Juwan Jackson, right? Slot receiver from Tulane uh, showed at the senior bowl that he's got a little bit more, uh, you know, verticality uh, to it, to his game. um, You know, uh, as far as stretching the field. Um, I think he's, he's quick and twitchy. Uh, he's got a stocky build at 5'9", 190, so he's kind of Rondell Moore-ish, you know, uh, Malik Washington-ish. Uh, he's, 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 he's got good speed. I think he can win at multiple levels of the field. I think, it, I think it's not a stretch to have, see him be better than, say, Jacob Cowing, you know, is next year. Obviously, a group of five competition, you know, a little bit of physicality questions in hands and, you know, that sort of thing. He's, I think he's the type of guy who... Uh, I don't say worst case scenario, but like a, a reasonable, plausible floor for him is that, you know, he, he, he gets on a roster and maybe year two, he's more of a, he's more of a starter. He's more of a wide, re- uh, wide receiver three on a team. Fair enough. Like a taxi squad guy is what you're looking at for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, we were going to do some listener questions, but we ran out of time. So let's go ahead and jump right into our forgotten fantasy player. Get ready. GoingForTwo.com's Forgotten Fantasy Player of the Week. All right, so me and Ryan are going to be a little out of practice here. We got uh, we got pretty good last year getting these Forgotten Fantasy players, but after the guys that you just mentioned in your in your rookies uh, primer here, Brian, I'm a little worried about um, our chances here. So give us uh, give us your hints. Uh, this player uh, played uh, for ten years, uh, from 1992 to 2001 for three different teams. What was the first year again? 92? 92. 92. That's right in my wheelhouse here, so... This should definitely be in your wheelhouse. I was, um... <laughs> I was seven. 
Nice. I, I I started playing fantasy in '96, so that's that's right right in my wheelhouse. Right around when I started playing too. Yeah. So we're three years before I started playing fantasy. Okay, uh, keep going. <laughs> All right. Uh, this uh, aside from his tenth season, every other season he had at least twelve hundred seventy-five scrimmage yards. Hmm. So. The fact that you're and saying it, scrimmage yards. And at me, least seven total touchdowns. It's making me think he's a running back if he's saying using the word scrimmage yards. <laughs> All right, 10-year career. Oh, man. There's not a lot of running backs that had 10-year careers. All right, I'm going to need some Speaking more. Of. In 1996, in his age 27 season, he had 300. 53 carries, 404 Jeez. total touches, 1,855 scrimmage yards, 13 total touchdowns for his fifth Pro Bowl year in a row, his first five career seasons. Wow. This He's guy. in 96. He played for three teams, right? So he was good on three different teams. Um. I think Corey Dillon is too late in the game. Corey Dillon was early 2000s, but wasn't all the way back no. in 92. Curtis Martin? Curtis Martin, has he fallen that? No. Yeah, he was all Jets. That's right, he was all Jets, you're right. Um, damn, this one's stumping me. This running, this running back, who ran a 4.71 at the combine in the 40-yard dash, Two of the teams, one of them is the favorite team of one of you two. The last team is no longer in the division they were when he played for them. No, Jamal Lewis, that'd be be two, because I think he was 2000. Definitely wasn't in 92. Priest Holmes? Hmm. So say that say that last one again. So the sure. One he, uh, he played on three teams. One of them is a favorite team of you two. Another of those teams is no longer in the division they were in when he played for them. Damn. So he went to. The, oh God, and he's on, he he played on the Ravens and the Titans. I feel like with that combat. Uh, yeah, that's... Eddie George. No way it was Eddie George. He never played for either of our teams. He just played for Oilers. Ooh. I mean, back then, the division for the 49ers, you know, the Saints are no longer... They used to be in our division. They're no longer in the division. The Falcons used to be in our division. They're no longer in our division. So I would feel like it would be the 49ers and either the Falcons or the Saints. 49ers is one of the teams. The, the, the non-division team, the team that switched divisions, switched conferences. Seattle. Ah, okay, 49ers in Seattle. I can't think of any, not any running backs that were back then. That well, wasn't Sean Alexander. Played so long. 
Yeah, this is your team. I know, and, and I, I, I'm blanks. drawing blanks. In your, in your first fantasy championships. There you go. <laughs> I'm drawing blanks right now. 92. Were his, were his best years... I guess you said from for ten years he was good, right? You know, twelve hundred yards. So it wasn't really his best years of anything. You can't think of twelve hundred yard rush on your own team when they were in the Super like Super Bowl era. I mean, yes, but it doesn't fit any of those other. Oh God! The Roger Craig. That's no. too. That's who was running back. He was in the eighties. Yeah, he was in the eighties. He was Joe Montana, and then there was Ricky Waters. It's not Ricky Waters. It's Ricky Running Waters. Oh yes, yes it is. Yep, you got he played it. for Seattle. Yeah, yes, that's he was right. For the 49ers. and yes. the middle, he did. The middle team was Philadelphia. Philadelphia, that's so right. Ryan yeah. bringing yeah. heat for the first episode. Oof, man, he's the least. It's funny. I was going to say Ricky Waters a while ago, and I don't know why I didn't say it out loud. I was like, Nah, I can't be Ricky Waters. But yeah, you know, I just because of because of just the how different running backs are now i wanted to bring this guy up right runs a 471 at the combine 404 touches at like his career peak like it's it was play, like, a different nfl game back then yeah uh he's listed as uh 61217 yeah i think he still holds the record for most touchdowns in a playoff game i believe he had five or six touchdowns uh, the year they went to the Super Bowl, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, Ricky Waters. Can some can someone smack Josh in the in the back of the head? <laughs> what would he say, Jeff? Jeff, I'm just gonna say the 49ers lost in the Super Bowl because you're lacking the knowledge of the team. <laughs> That's why they lost. <laughs> it wasn't lack of knowledge. It's just I for some reason I didn't I I couldn't put it together. And even when I got Seattle, crazy part is I remember. I remember using. I was like trying to think who I liked in Madden back in the day, <laughs> and I loved using Ricky Waters. So I was like, when I, the only thing like I wasn't playing fantasy, it was slowly getting the NFL and Madden. Yeah, great pull, great pull. I love it, Brian. Way to kick us off this year. It's not quite Tom Tipple's Larry Centers. Uh, the last time I was on the show as a sub for Ryan. But that's right. That's right. I remember that. I, that I think a, I think I would have got Larry Centers. That was a that was a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> you would have gotten Larry Sinners. Yeah, I think we had like three fullbacks that this past year, and Larry Sinners was one of them. All right, that wraps the show up, Brian. Uh, thanks again for coming on on short notice. If you want to, uh, you know, plug your Twitter handle and you know anything yeah. else you're working on, go ahead and do so. FFJunkie underscore on Twitter. Uh, articles and rankings uh, for rookies and dynasty up on uh, going for two. Uh, dot com. Uh, I'll be writing some rookie profiles uh, in draft season. Uh, Dynasty Fever Pod midweek audio only at Dynasty Fever Pod on Twitter. Good stuff, Ryan. What you got going on? I uh, do. I do much. I'm here. I'm over at the Rookie Big Board, the Dynasty Big Board podcast, and about it. I talk sometimes. I don't really t- post on Twitter that much anymore because nobody cares about my <laughs> opinions. But that's okay. I like bourbon. I like football. That's all good. <laughs> good stuff. All right, guys. Uh, this is the first episode of the season. Hopefully, we weren't too rusty. Jamie, I know you're 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 here for every show, so you can let us know how we did. Um, but for Brian, for Ryan, I'm Jeff, and uh, we will be back next week.